I think the most important thing I've learned is that your achievements don't determine your self-worth. You know, you will fail most of the time. And every time you fail, you're going to learn something. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fan Show. You just listened to a glimpse of my chat with Andrea Orrego, Latina STEM founder of Atelier, where we talk about funding and her experience pitching to venture capitalists. It's quite long, but worth it. Definitely one of my favorite, favorite conversations. So without further ado, let's start the episode. Hello, hello, Andrea. So nice to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Diana, for having me. Ah, thank you for taking the time. I'm so excited. Uh, and, you know, for anybody that doesn't know you, and before we, got, we get into your journey as a STEM entrepreneur, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about you and your background. Yes, absolutely. So I am Andrea Orrego. I am a third-generation architect. I am from Lima, Peru. I grew up there. I lived there my whole life. I moved to the States about six years ago, and architecture really was my first passion. I think I always had an affinity for design and beauty and creating, so that's why I ended up going that route. And then I moved to the States. When I moved here, I had you know a long time waiting for my my work visa and everything to to be processed and in that time I think that was when I faced my biggest struggles in life the reason why I moved here was because I was then married to an American guy who lived here and when I started my my journey here you know we didn't have our paperwork done yet so we had to do it once we moved here during that period I couldn't legally work which meant that I just had to figure out life on my own we didn't have a lot of resources at hand so I had to figure out how to you know support myself and and have something going on for myself and having to do that for a year and a half was probably one of my biggest challenges And that's when I started trying to figure out, well, what can I do? What thing could I start that will allow me to, even if I'm not making an income, at least have something going on for myself. I realized that in the area where I am, which is the Rockies in Colorado, specifically around the um, ski resorts in Aspen and Vail, I realized there were a lot of pieces of furniture going into thrift shops from second home owners that weren't really using it and would just update their houses, you know, every five or 10 years and would just get rid of all their furniture that was never really used. So I'm like, well, what if I try to refurbish it and sell it online? And that's sort of how things started going on. Then thankfully, my work visa came through and I started working as an architect, which was my profession. But I still had that idea of, of starting my own business. And I thought, it had something to do with design and furniture and all that. And then talking with some friends back home, I thought of the idea of putting some kind of automated system online that would allow me to sell maybe interior design packages that were already pre-configured so that once they got to the client, we just had to twitch it a little bit and, and then they could implement them in their homes. However, the more I got into it, the more I realized, well, you know, interior design really 
the reason why it exists is because people like it to be custom. So if it's pre-configured for them, it's not going to work out. And as I worked in my architecture practice, I was doing residential architecture. When I was working with my clients, I realized a lot of them didn't really, you know, want to hire an interior designer after we had already remodeled the, the house, the structure, or built it from the ground up because they enjoy the design process. They wanted to buy things. They wanted to experiment, see how different colors would look on their walls, pick out wallpaper and buy furniture, all of that. That was something that excited them. And that meant for me as their project manager that I would, you know, create 3D models over and over for them every time they wanted to twitch something and change a color or put a different piece of furniture or try a different material. That would be, you know, a couple more hours of work that I had to charge them for, you know, every change that they wanted to make. You know, in a way it was profitable for the, the company I was working for, but in a different perspective, you know, I felt like the clients could very much do it themselves if there was a piece of software that didn't require previous technical knowledge to use. And that's how the idea of putting together an app came around. So I wrote down a script for what I would like this app to do. And I decided it was going to be, you know, interior design platform that was so easy to use that, you know, even the baby boomers could pick it up, but it was fun enough that the millennials would want to use it. And I see. So you're saying that I don't have to be my mom's uh, technical support team. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I thought when I was putting together this app. (laughs) And um, so when we, put that together, that idea. Um, I talked to different people. Eventually, I, I guess we can get on in the story here later on, but that's how everything got started essentially and how my transition from the architectural interior design world to tech came about. Wow, that is an amazing journey. So thank you for sharing that. Um, that is yeah. a- you know, very vulnerable. And I really appreciate you being open about this story, you know, yeah. since you, you, you came to, you arrived in the U.S. So you say that, you know, that was one of like the biggest struggles. And I think we all go through those stages in life in, you know, personal and also in business. And we'll talk about business in a little bit. But yes, I completely understand what you're going through. I also got a visa and couldn't work for a while. And the, the, you know, and everybody does, you know, well, they manage obstacles in a different way. You were like, you know, not stuck, but you know, you were limited and that like year and a half, as you say, and you decided, what am I going to do? And then you just came up with this amazing, and you decided to be an entrepreneur. And then you also came out with this amazing idea to make this uh, automated. How did this really like launch? You know, how did it came to be at now? It's now an app on the phone. How did that evolve from you talking to somebody to just like, you know, launching? Yeah. So it was a long process, really. I definitely didn't know what I was getting myself into when I decided to open up a business online because that's essentially what I was doing. 
when it started out as just a furniture store, I, you know, went on Wix. And since the tools were easy enough for me to use, I put together a website where I could list stuff. And the first couple things I listed were candles. I was making these candles. I was not selling any of them. I didn't know that, you know, not just because you build a website, that means that people are going to find you and buy your stuff. Um, <laughs> there's a lot more. <laughs> yeah, that's, that one of the, that's one of the things when they say, oh, you build it and they will come. It's like, mm, no, that's not mm. how it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and I, didn't, I didn't know that at the time. I think because I was so naive and unexperienced is the reason why I ended up going so far because I just kept trying to figure out how to do it. But had I known all the work that would require, then maybe I would have stayed in my nine to five job. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I think you're saying those words because I think you're being a little bit hard on yourself, but I think you were really brave. You know, you didn't know what it was and you were doing it. So kudos to that. Thank you. Um, yeah, it, it definitely required some uh, trust in and, you know, just knowing that I had a North um, somewhere and, and that my current situation didn't, or didn't need to, you know, define what my life was going to be. So that's why I decided to go for it. And when I went from, you know, having that little website that I was just putting up, you know, blog posts and selling candles that never sold to the app, I really had a long time to figure out things. I think my first step was, you know, to create that script of what I wanted this app to do. And I'm like, okay, well, now I need somebody to build it. So who's going to build it for me? And I didn't know anything about technology. I didn't know, you know, there are different parts of building a, a software product like the back end, the front end. There are mobile develop developers. There are all these different, uh, you know, technical skills required. And most of the time, you know, it's not going to come from one person. It's going to come from a team of different people. And then talking about it with one of my friends at home or back home in Peru, she introduced me to this guy who had actually pitched a tech company to her mom. And she's like, well, maybe he can give you some guidance and some direction on, you know, how to get the resources that you need. He ended up introducing me to his developer and his developer became my co-founder. We were able to put together my vision and with his technical skills, who he, he happened to be a mobile de developer and we built it together in about a year um, just from, you know, side projects, hassles and, and extra money that I would get. That's how I ended up paying him. And later on, he just came on board as, you know, full-time co-founder. So yeah, wow, that was a journey. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, you know, you're just like talking to a friend. You're like, oh, this is how it's going. And then you have a co-founder. Exactly. <laughs> it, it required, you know, a lot of trying to move forward regardless of what the situation looked like. Every time I talked to anybody about my idea, they were like, that's a great idea. Like, I would pay for that. And that just like reassured me, okay, you know, this needs this this is something that needs to exist this is something that people will actually use so why don't i just do it like i'm losing money just not pursuing it so that's how i ended up <laughs> where i am right now 
I love that. I love that you you actually ask people. You know, that's how you you did like a market test. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I actually wanted to uh, get into a, a little bit on the topic of funding. So you say this was so far in this story, um, it was self-funded, correct? Mm -hmm. I know that you did a pitch um, recently. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the fundraising process has really been one of the other, you know, hurdles along the way. Um, you know, the more I got into it, the more I realized the system wasn't built for my demographic, <laughs> um, which is not entirely, you know, a bad thing. So I started out, you know, bootstrapping everything out of pocket. And it, we got to a point with, in which, you know, things were moving really slowly. Um, that's when I started my fundraising efforts and I started pitching everywhere. I applied for, you know, this pitching competition in 2018 where the prize was, you know, 10 grand that that could have taken us so far um, because all of my resources were um, back in Peru. So the market there is not as expensive as it is here. Um, however, you know, even though we were finalists, we didn't get the prize. Then the following year, we did another pitch competition in front of many investors. Um, and then I realized, you know, I was pitching the wrong people because, you know, those pitch competitions were locally in, in the area where I am, um, local investors or VC firms were looking for more later stage companies. So they were looking, you know, at companies that already had a few years of revenue in them, which wasn't our case because we we're looking for money to get started. Um, I did a few different things online. I've been reaching out to different investors. And, you know, once I started getting actual interest from people wanting to invest in us, it was never really, you know, either the right amount of money, like they wanted to give us like less than I needed, which in in a in a way you know i could have just taken that money for a lower valuation and see how far it would have taken us but then that meant you know i'm giving this percentage to somebody else and i might not be able to take this company where i needed to be and it might just die because that's all the funding we have and then you know this other person also owns the company so now the decisions are split up in more ways. Um, so that didn't seem like a good fit. Um, I also was offered, you know, loans or investments based on revenue, um, just different vehicles of investment that didn't match where we wanted to take the, the company and, and what our goals were. So instead of accepting that, I realized, you know, this a whole VC world has been built around, you know, the way it started was the the people in Silicon Valley, which were mostly, you know, white dudes, which yeah. I don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> and and I don't mean it, you know, in a in a condescending way because, you know, it wouldn't have it wouldn't even exist if it had started a different way. Um so I, I think there's there's value in that. But at the same time, that's that's how the, the system has been built. So you know, they don't want to fund solopreneurs. They don't want to fund, you know, it, it, 
people or like female immigrants who are just starting out and don't have, you know, friends in, in Google or in Facebook. Um, I always had got, uh, had the advice, like this was a constant critique in, in my pitches was like, well, you don't have a technical co-founder. I'm like, yes, I do. And then they're like, yeah, that's not really a name that, you know, is, is relevant for us. Like we need somebody that's worked before in, you know, Facebook or Google, you know, any of these big companies. And I'm like, I, how am I supposed to get to that point? You know, I could network my way into meeting these people. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to find somebody that's going to come on board with me. And I realized that all of my fundraising process was, you know, pivot in my company so that I could fit into a mold so that I could be, you know, backable. And, um, that, that wasn't what I was wanting to do with my company. Like instead of building a company to get funding, I realized, you know, I'm building this company for a much bigger purpose. I, I want to create a team that I'm proud of. I don't want to just bring in somebody so I can get money and then want to get rid of that person later on. Um, I want to build a company in which every team member feels like they're part of it and we all share the same vision and we have the same values, which was more important to me than anything else. So this year I realized that that was going to be the way to go. Um, instead of trying to make my company check boxes so that I can be backable, I was going to try to be profitable first and, and then we were going to get to the next stage and that way, instead of me trying to be good enough for them, then the investors who would want to come join us could be good enough for us. So that's, that's been another long journey for us. And especially for me to, you know, knowing because in text, in, in technology, most companies, you know, have some kind of valid, uh, validation when once they're, um, back to once they've had some funding and, and, and they've been able to close around. Um, so it was really hard for me to let go of the idea that, okay, um, not going to try to get this money just to get the money. Uh, the, the course of this business is more important than just to check boxes. And once we're where I feel comfortable enough that, you know, we have enough at stake that I can give out, you know, the validation of the company rises so that I don't have to give out as much for some extra financing, um, then, then we'll be able to open the doors again. So that's, that's where we are right now. <laughs> wow. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, I wanted to ask some follow-up questions on everything you said, but yes, what you said was so important. And I really wish there were more conversations like this, uh, because, you know, it is harder. It is harder as a, like you said, a female entrepreneur and then you're an immigrant and, and you say that one of the biggest hurdles was, you know, investors asking like, oh, you have a tech founder, but no, we need, we, we need him to be, you know, he, we need him to have um, these boxes checked. Mm -hmm. So first, let, let's unpack that a little bit. Um, <laughs> yes. Was that... <laughs> When you say that happened a lot, like how many times did you get that kind of 
question or let's say let's name it an obstacle um i think i still do like because i'm still pitching the the, the company not to get investment immediately but to start you know building relationships with people whom i will find you know important down the line to join us but um you know that's something that still comes up like they're saying okay you know you're following the right steps you're building the thing you're acquiring customers um however your company because we're still at in a pre-seed stage which means that um we don't have you know a big product out there we're pre-revenue and that means that I need to have, you know, some some kind of big thing that's attractive. So since we are we haven't proved the business model yet, they they're looking for that, okay, what's that star factor? And since I can talk about my background and my strengths all all day long, um, but that doesn't mean anything to them because it doesn't give them, you know, a tangible okay every every model that we've funded before you know had one of these three things either it was already creating a lot of revenue it had millions of users and it went viral immediately or it came from somebody that went to this school or it was founded by somebody who had already founded uh funded i'm founded sorry <laughs> um multiple businesses before you know there's so many boxes that they're looking for that I didn't fit in any of them. I wasn't, you know, an Ivy League graduate. I didn't come from the Silicon Valley um, background. You know, I never worked at any of those companies. Um, you know, our company's getting started, so we haven't reached reached the, um, the the milestones that they're looking for, and and that's okay. Like that's that's something that took me a long time to realize that is okay to to have like. But there's no need for for me to be in these boxes because we're building up to something different. You know, my background is different and that's a whole important that's why diversity is so important right now. Like my vision's not gonna be the same vision of a guy that went to, you know, the same school that everybody went to that had the same network that everybody has. And, you know, okay, maybe your business is not where it's supposed to be right now, but since you're so-and-so's friend and we know so-and-so and, um, you know, we have, you come from the same background, then chances are that your company will probably get there. And if it doesn't get there, it doesn't matter because we probably have another company in our portfolio that will help us out along, along the line. But I, you know, it's, it's kind of like that the risk in your business and that's something that that's the same critique I, I was getting you know from the beginning until now um so i i've been following the steps to have the business be less risky for an investor but the fact that i'm still not from that background is something that still weighs on and every time i pitch because yes they, they still ask for okay you know, we need that technical co-founder that comes from the Silicon Valley background, but I'm not really even interested in getting that because I'm not building a business just to get somebody that fits a box into the team. I'm building a business for a much bigger uh, reason. So 
Yes. I don't know if I answered your question. I think I, oh, yeah. I went on a, a <laughs> tangent there. But <laughs> no, yes. And it, it is important. It is important for you to express that. And we need these, like I said, we need these conversations to be more often, you know, because mm -hmm. it does happen. It is harder. And these are hurdles. You know, some people say like, oh, no, everybody has the same opportunities. It's not true. And no. And, and yeah, I agree with you. You know, they do ask for, um, you know, who do you know? You know, uh, like people do say your, your net, I've heard this before. I forget who, who said it. They said your net work is your net worth. Mm -hmm. uh, but some, sometimes that also comes with, you know, privilege. So it is harder, you know, when you come to a country and you don't know absolutely anybody, you're starting you know, they, they're basically ahead of you, like, you know, 25 years or, you know, I don't know how old you were when you uh, came mm -hmm. to the U.S., but basically they're ahead of you all that time, right? Yes. And, and I, I was actually 25 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we have the same story. Um, uh, but, yeah, so it's like they, they're ahead of you and you have to build that from from scratch and exactly even though i mean it's uh, technology is here now it wasn't when we were kids you know it's not the mm -hmm. same as now so somebody that's you know for example 20 years old and he's uh, or she is like in another country and when they come it is easier for them to network because now they they're the tools are out there but they weren't when yes. we were you know kids so now uh, you know we have zoom we have slack and let's build those communities. I'm glad that we also met via Arlen, who is a, mm -hmm. a, an investor that I wish there was like a hundred, a thousand of her <laughs> out there. Those are the types of investors yes. we wish there were out there um, because she does invest in, as she says, undermined um, founders. Yes. Yes, that. yeah. I, I'm very appreciative that there's this new wave of people realizing, you know, the system is built for just as one group and a lot of people don't fit into that profile. So now we're going to come out and try to help out more people. So there are more female investors, there are more investors of color, there are more investors that have all these other different backgrounds. I think there's a VC firm, especially even for immigrants. Um, which is awesome. You know, this is the type of thing that we need, but it's not the, it's not the norm. No, it's not the, the thing that you see the most. These are the new people that are coming out and, you know, it represents a risk for them too. So when they're, when you run a um, VC fund, you know, you have other people's money in line, you have your reputation in line and the return that you can give to those people who've invested in your fund um, is going to determine um, what your your skills as a, a VC are at the end of the day. So then they are on the line, like their names are on the line too. So what happens is that, you know, even though they are investing in more underrepresented founders, they're still, you know, trying to make sure that there are certain boxes that will be checked. And, and that's completely understandable. And I think, you know, that will be the way until, you know, the, the system is more 
let's just say it dissolved. Um, because, you know, before, you know, back in the day before, let's say in, in the time of Facebook and WhatsApp and when these other, other like unicorns were being born, it was more likely that somebody will just, you'll find somebody in a, in a coffee shop, you know, provided you're a white male <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll give them an idea. And if you had the right background, they'll be like, Hey, here's some money to get you started. You know, I want this percentage or I want, want it as convertible note, whatever it was. And let's see how it goes. You know, there are companies that pre-launch, you know, raised lots of millions of dollars, which is always the worst way to go because when you have so much money ahead of time, then you can take any route you want. The chance that you'll take the route that will lead you to your downfall is bigger because you don't need to think so strategically. It's people who are, you know, starting out with very little resources. But the fact that the community is changing now is is something that's better because hopefully you know we'll get to the point that there'll be more diversity in in vcs in um angel found or angel investors and and all of this so that you know when a female immigrant who's just starting out but you know has this background that is proven you know she's in the industry or whatever it is that, that she has going on for her you know, people won't be so, so, um, so tight about the restrictions that they have before they make a decision. Um, cause they'll see themselves in, in, in these founders, which is exactly what happened. You know, the angel investors were seeing themselves in the younger kids that were coming up to them with ideas. So they're like, Hey, I'll give you the chance. So hopefully, you know, I'll be in that position too someday soon and that I'll go into a coffee shop and some girl will come up to me and I'll see myself in her and they'll be like, okay, I'll fund you. I'll give you, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. to get something to get started. And, and hopefully we'll get to that point soon. <laughs> yes, we will. And I, I also, and I say we will because I also would love to do that. And yes, <laughs> like I see somebody starting a business. I'm like, how can I help you? And and I've seen that, you know, empowerment is, is important. Inspiration is important. Like, you know, this podcast, that's why it exists. But they need money, you know? Yes. Funding. <laughs> it's, not, it's not enough to say, like, here's, here's a motivational quote. They need funding. And I love that you, you know, you're, you're thinking bigger and bigger, and your journey is just so impressive. Can there be a thousand of you as well? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Please, Andrea, just clone yourself. Where is that okay. technology? Where is that technology? Yes, and I think you're, you had struggles, but that doesn't define you. You overcame so many things, and you, know, you didn't even start in tech, and now you are the CEO of a tech company, and that is very admirable. So thank, thank you, you for... Uh, being who you are, because you are an example. I think you're very admirable. And we're also going to do it, um, one in Spanish. Yes. In Espanol. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so we talked already that representation matters. And more so when it comes to, you know, powerful positions. So before uh, we, we go, is there anything 
that you, you know, like one last piece of advice that you would give to a founder that is, you know, go that is going through some of the struggles that you went through? You know, I think the most important thing I've learned is that your achievements don't determine your self-worth. You know, you will fail most of the time. And every time you fail, you're going to learn something. But you shouldn't feel like you're a failure just because, you know, you're failing. I feel like that's something that took me a long time to learn and to realize that I'm I have so many strengths and I have so many things to provide and to continue to build. And the more time I put in myself, the better I become that I can't let the little things that didn't work out the way I wanted define me. Cause then every time I did, you know, it would get me so down that getting back up was harder the next time, you know, you start holding grudges against people that tell, you no. And that's not healthy either because they have to, they have their own responsibilities. They have their own way of thinking and you're not supposed to be good for everybody. You're not supposed to be everybody's, you know, um, example to follow or person they like. You don't even need to be liked by everybody as long as you're, you like yourself and you believe in yourself. And you're providing, you know, love and nurturing to your family and to your goals and to yourself, then everything can grow from there. And that's the most important thing that anybody should learn is that, you know, investing in yourself is more important than getting a yes from somebody that, you know, might not really be interested in you that, all that much. Wow. <laughs> so I love that you said investing in yourself is much more important because it is. And yeah, you just not, you know, you're not, you might not be everybody's cup of tea, but you're, you know, not every investor, not every time you pitch, you will win. And yeah, before we go, how can people find you, support you and, you know, get your app? Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you so much, Diana, for having me here. For anybody that wants to find us, to download the app, you can go to atelier-app.com. That is A-T-E-L-I-E-R-app.com. We have an app right now in the app store that you can search for it. But if you want to get the latest one, because we're releasing beta versions of new iterations of it, then you can go to the website and sign up for our beta. And to find me, you can go to andreaorego.com. All of my social media profiles are listed in that website. If you want to, you know, reach out to me directly to ask me any questions, you can do that at Andrea at Atelier-app.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. And yes, please, everybody visit her website, support her. She also has an online store with like some digital products that are actually a little fun, some illustrations. Uh, And my favorite one is the one about money. (laughs) <laughs> that's really good one uh, a women dollar illustration so cute <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's really my fave and yeah well uh, follow her thank you andrea you are amazing and i can't wait to see where this goes thank you so much diana thank you bye hey there thank you for listening all the way through the end of this conversation To check out the show notes, visit fantmedia.co. 
And if you love this episode, please leave a review and share it with your friends and family. A little support goes a long way. I'm Diana Lopez, your host of Fent Show, the platform I created to elevate female entrepreneurs. Again, thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode. Cheers. <laughs>